John chapter 15, verse 1, Jesus is speaking. He says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can ye, except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me ye can do nothing. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch, and is withered. And men gather them, and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified that ye bear much fruit, so shall ye be my disciples. As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue ye in my love. If ye keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments, and abide in his love. These things have I spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that ye love one another as I have loved you. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Ye are my friends, if ye do whatsoever I command you. Henceforth I call you not servants, for the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth. But I have called you friends, for all things that I have heard of my Father I have made known unto you. Ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you, and ordained you, that you should go and bring forth fruit, and that your fruit should remain, and that whatsoever ye shall ask of the Father in my name, he may give it to you. So right here we see this uh, this passage of Scripture where he talks about himself as the vine. We're branches. And as branches, it's our job to bear fruit. And, of course, we all know that a branch can't bear fruit unless it's connected to the vine. If you go and you break a branch off a tree, it's going to wither away, it's going to die, it's going to be gathered up, it'll be used for firewood. That's all it's good for. And if we're not connected to Christ, we're good for nothing. Without Him, we can do nothing. And it's very clear in this passage that one of the things that He wants us to do while abiding in Him is bearing fruit. He wants us to multiply. And you know, something about this fruit-bearing thing, you know, I believe I believe it's more than just winning souls. Uh, we're we're going to look at some passages, too, that talk about the fruit of the Spirit. And that's talking about basically just actions and things in your life that the Lord wants to see. But I do believe a lot of the passages in the Bible that talks about bearing fruit, it's a reference to us winning souls to Christ. It's a, it's a reference to us reproducing. Okay, You know, whenever uh, my wife and I got married, one of the things that happened as a result of our marriage... You know, we began to reproduce, and we began to have uh, more children, and you know, now there's eight of us. Okay, I remember when my wife and I first got married; we were the first ones on both sides to get married. And you know, back then it was just you know her mom or stepdad, and she had three sisters and one brother. And then I was kind of the first one added. But you know, this last Christmas, just 16 years later, we had the whole family was all together, and there was 31 people there. It was 31 people. Why? Because of marriage and a whole bunch of kids being born. We had for a couple days. We had 12 kids at my house. 12. All right. You know. So I spent a lot of time outside the house. I got some extra studying in uh, this week because it was it was pretty crazy around there. And so I, I came up with all my excuses to get out of the house. <laughs> but but no, it, it was good. It was a lot of fun. But you know, you're reproducing as Christians. When you get saved, we get we get grafted into Christ. The Bible talks about that in Romans. You know, we become a part of Him, and we're supposed to bear fruit. We should be reproducing. We should be bringing more people to Christ. We should be seeing people saved. You know, that's how we can be fruitful and multiply today. We're not out there. God hasn't called us today to go and 
you know, build a kingdom. I'm not trying to raise up a nation with my own family and in my name. I'm trying to help build the nation of God, of Jesus Christ. And I'm trying to be fruitful and multiply in that area too and bringing people to Christ. And when it comes to bearing fruit, a lot of times people are content with the fact, well, you know, I led this person to the Lord ten years ago or I I won this person five years ago. But one thing we see in the Bible when it comes to fruit bearing, it's not a once in a lifetime thing. It's it's an annual thing. Okay? Your you know your trees they bear fruit every year. Okay? And uh, you know the farmers they plant those crops every year and they bring forth fruit every year. This should be something that we're doing every year of our life. Something we do all the time until we finally die. We need to be trying to reproduce ourselves as believers and. That, that's that's what we've been called to do. That's one of the reasons that we are still here. One of the reasons that God didn't just take us up to heaven after we got saved is because there's a lot of people here still on earth that need to hear the gospel, that need to get saved. And the Bible says, how can they hear without a preacher? Somebody's got to tell them, you know, you can be a preacher without being a pastor. You can be a preacher without getting up behind a pulpit like I'm doing right now and talking to a big group of people. Anybody in here, a little child in here, when he goes and he gives the gospel to somebody, maybe one of their friends or a family member or a neighbor, you're preaching the gospel to them. And everybody ought to be a preacher of the gospel if you are saved. And we see the key to being able to bear fruit. It's not about you know how skillful you are in the Word. Well, you ought to get as skillful as you can. Well, you ought to learn as much as you can. It's not about you being you know polished and professional and how you give it out and how eloquent you are. It's not about your talent. Many times people, they get all hung up on the fact that, well, you know, I'm not that good at talking to people. You know, I've got this problem. I'm not that smart. Uh, people ask me questions. I'm not very... Listen, you know what? You just, need? you just need to be willing and you need to be abiding in Christ. And that's something that anybody can do. We see that that is the key to being a fruit-bearing Christian. You have to be abiding in Christ. Because okay, without, without Him, you can do nothing. That's what He said. Yeah, he didn't say without a high IQ, you can do nothing. You know, Without a college degree, you can do nothing. He said, no, without me, you can do nothing. And any of us can have Christ. Any of us can be abiding in Christ, have a close relationship with Christ. Any of us can do that. There are no excuses for anyone in here to not have a relationship with Christ. Absolutely no excuse at all. And if we are abiding in Christ, the Bible says we're going to bear fruit. You will bear fruit. You will bring souls to Christ. Proverbs 11 verse 30 says, the fruit of righteousness is a tree of life and he that winneth souls is wise. That's one of the best things you can do is to be winning souls. Why, why do we talk, you know, call it soul winning? And you know, why does the Bible say things like winning souls? Because you know, it is a challenging thing. It's not an easy thing. You know, In America today, uh, in our culture, we don't have, the, it's not the most receptive in the world. They've heard that, you know, they've been scammed so many times through, you know, everything from phone salesmen to car salesmen to other preachers that people are very skeptical. You know, they're very wary of things. There's there, there's a lot of false information they've got. You know, a lot of people, they spend a lot of time, you know, maybe watching TV preachers or listening to false prophets on the internet. Or they've been caught up in false religion, reading books maybe they shouldn't read, and they've got a lot of stuff in their head that shouldn't be there. And making it very difficult for us. Because, you know, the sad thing is, is while most Christians today have kind of just went on vacation, 
from trying to bring people to Christ. The devil hasn't gone on vacation. His followers haven't gone on vacation. He's been doing everything he can to indoctrinate people, to get to get people deceived. He's not letting up at all, but I'm afraid, guys, people are letting up. We're slowing down, and we can't do that. We've got to stay faithful. We've got to, uh, we've got to be in this thing, involved. We've got to be bringing souls to Christ. And it's going to take some wisdom. You know, you're going to have to try more than once with some people. It's like sometimes we'll hand people a track. You know, here, take this. Well, I did my job. Well, you know, sometimes that's all you can do is give them a track. But, you know, is that all you can do? You know, why don't you be friendly? Why don't you try to strike up a conversation? You know, why don't you try to, you know, so well, you, this is Illinois. We're not supposed to talk to each other when we're in public. You know, you know, this is Illinois. Everybody that's out there is just somebody that's in my way. That's some, there's somebody I got to get to the cashier before they do, so I don't have to wait longer in line. You know, that's somebody that I'm going to get behind and wait a little longer because they're at a stop, you know, a stop sign. I mean, that, that's how we are, but we've got to just get over that. You know, we, we have missionaries coming here all the time, and they all will t- many times bring up the things that are the challenges for them because of the culture that they're trying to reach. You know, we're going to a culture that they you know, believe in many gods. And it's difficult because when you tell them about Jesus Christ, you know, they're like, okay, great. One more God that I could add to my collection of gods that I serve. And it's a challenge to them to, you know, get them to realize He is the only God. He is, the only, he is the way, the truth, and the life. It's, it's hard in those places. And we all respect that. But then it's like over here, we've got the challenge of just our you know, northern don't-talk-to-me culture, and we just use that as an excuse. Where we expect those guys to figure out a way to overcome it, we need to figure out a way to overcome it too. And it can be done. It's, it's not always an easy thing. It is. It, it's hard. But we've got to do it. And you're just going to have to use some wisdom. You're going to have to ask the Lord to help you. You're going to have to follow the uh, Holy Spirit's guidance. You're going to have to be abiding in Christ. You can go take all the courses you want. You can read all the books you want. If you're not abiding in Christ, you're not going to get anywhere. But we see that you know, you're going to bear fruit. And then, once again, bearing fruit, it's not just winning souls, even though that is a very important thing. But I believe you're going to become more like Christ. I believe that also is fruit. We see in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22... It says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. Basically, if you are in Christ, if the Holy Spirit is living inside you, you're going to start bearing these things in your life. You're going to start experiencing joy. You're going to have joy. You're going to have peace, long-suffering. All those things it mentions, those are fruit that are going to come from you having the Holy Spirit inside you. We should see those things in your life. In fact, if you have all of those things, if you have the fruit of the Spirit, it will help you be a more effective witness. You know, if you're, just, if you're living just as wicked as everybody else, nobody's going to listen to what you have to say. Nobody's going to be interested in what you have to say. But if you're somebody who's loving, you're caring, if you're somebody who has joy when no one else does, when you're somebody who is at peace, okay, things like that, that can have an impact where people are going to say, you know what, I might pay attention to this person. I, you know, I'd like to have what that person has. Everybody wants the fruit of the Spirit. All those things. You know, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, all those things. People, everybody wants that. But the way you get it, for real, is through Jesus Christ. It's through having the Holy Spirit in your life. And if you will display those things, if you will let that fruit grow in your life and people will see it, 
that's going to get their attention, and you're going to have a better opportunity now to bear fruit when it, and, and when it comes to winning souls and bringing people to Christ. So, if you're abiding in Christ, you will you will bear fruit. Okay? That's the key. You, hopefully, everybody wants to be an effective soul winner. Everybody wants to be an effective witness. You have to be abiding in Christ. So the way you know you're abiding in Christ, you know you're you're going to bear fruit. But also, you're going to see and if you're not bearing fruit, then you're not abiding in Christ. But also, if you're abiding in Christ, look at what it says in verse uh, two. Every branch of me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, okay, this is for someone who is bringing forth fruit already. This is what God does to the branch that's bearing fruit. He purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Okay, a lot of times, all right, well, I've, I've bear, you know, I've borne some fruit. You know, I've produced some fruit. Therefore, God should be happy with me. Well, actually, the Bible says that the branch that bears fruit, God purges that fruit or that branch. Okay, and to purge, it means to cleanse or purify by separating and carrying off whatever is impure or foreign. So, in other words, if you're somebody that's bearing fruit, okay, if you're one of those good branches that's bearing fruit, the Lord is going to purge you. In other words, He's going to purify your life. He's going to start getting sin out of your life. He's going to start taking things from a, you know, uh, another definition for purge is to clear from guilt or moral defilement. As to purge one from guilt or a crime to purge away sin. God's going to start getting sin out of your life. And you know what? Purging, it can sometimes be a painful process. In Psalms chapter 51, verse 7, David's speaking here. This is after he was confronted for his sin with Bathsheba. And he's, he's admitted he's wrong. He's confessed his sin to God. But notice what he says in verse 7. He says, "...purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean." Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me to hear joy and gladness, that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. Hide thy face from my sins, and blot out all mine iniquities. You hear what he said there? That the bones which thou hast broken. Okay, now God didn't literally break the bones of David, but he's talking spiritually here. He's in pain. I mean, because he's sinned. He's done wrong. He's, he's made a big mistake. And you know what? When we have sin in our life, God's going to purge us, and sometimes it's a painful process. Sometimes God, He wants us to be able to bear more fruit, so He allows us to go through some hard times. He allows us to deal with trials, knowing this is going to make them a better Christian. This is going to make them more fruitful. They will be able to bear more fruit if I put them through this, and it's it's called purging. It's not fun. It's not what people want. Many times Christians who are being purged. They're in the process of being purged by God. They're like, you know, what's wrong? I, you know, I thought if I started doing good, all my problems were going to go away and everything was going to be easy. No, the Bible actually says that when you bear fruit, He's going to purge you. Why? So you can bear more fruit. And you know, we ought to be okay with that. We ought to be fine with that. We ought to be willing to let God get rid of the impurities in our life. But you know, I think a good way to the way I picture Christians that God's trying to clean sometimes, okay, you know, we all know cleaning's good for you, right? Okay, but at the same time, you know, a cat, okay, cats hate baths, don't they? All right, it, it's it, you know, one time we decided we were going to give one of our cats a bath, and we tried, we looked up online a way to do it, you know, that would would work because you know cats don't cooperate with water, and so we read this thing that said you know you get the soap, you put it on the cat, and at first. 
and then you wrap them up in a towel and then put them in the water. And, and you know, and this thing too is like you know, it seems like a cat-friendly thing. Well, we tried that; it didn't work. It, it, it failed miserably. And let me tell you, I mean, the noises that cat made—I mean, you know—I felt bad. I really did. And we tried, but you know, we were just trying to make it clean. We were trying to help it, but it didn't appreciate it. It was good for it, but didn't like it at all. And you know what? That's how we are. Sometimes the cleansing process, we're kind of like that cat. You know, you're trying to put in the water and it's we're just going crazy. Lord, don't do it to me. Lord, don't clean me up. But it's good for you. Okay? I think our cat, I don't know if it had fleas or we were just doing it because it smelled. I don't remember why we did it, but we thought it was going to work and it did. It failed miserably. That cat fought so hard. I had it wrapped and I thought it was going to break its legs and I, and I let go of it. And it was bad. But we, we, we never tried that again. But, any, but I sometimes feel like that's how we are with God when He's trying to cleanse us. We don't have, you know, it, we ought to be okay with it, but sometimes we're just not we're real cooperative. But listen, when God does that, when He purges us, when He cleans us, it might be painful. It's not going to be something that we like, but it will help us to be better. We can bear more fruit, and then we can, we can see more people saved. That's the goal. Like it says right there in verse 2, He purged it that it may bring forth more fruit. Okay? More fruit. If you're getting closer to God, you're going to bring forth more fruit than He did the year before. See, that's the thing. A lot of times people, you know, they like to talk about the glory days of the past. They like to talk about the five souls they led to the Lord maybe at one time or in one day. And, you know, they'll talk about that and they'll talk about it for years. Well, you know what? If I've got an apple tree in my yard... You know, I want one that's going to bear fruit every year. I don't want to be like, yeah, this tree, it, yeah, it gave us apples once, five years ago. That's a crummy apple tree. It's supposed to be an annual thing, a yearly thing. And sometimes, do people do they get they get caught up in the glory days? I've known Christians before that went to Bible college, and you know, they they went soul winning in Bible college, and they won people to the Lord in Bible college, and then. They haven't won anybody in 20 years after that since they got out of Bible college. And it's like, but they'll brag about all that they did back in Bible college. And I'm just like, you realize it's not that impressive going soulling in Bible college because they make you do it in Bible college. So, you know, congratulations. They forced you to do some good things. So, what does that say about you now that you don't have to do these things? It tells me if they hadn't forced you to do it then, you wouldn't have even done it then. So, you know, what are you doing bragging about the glory days? You know, we shouldn't do that. You know, it, it, it never gets old seeing people get saved. I mean, I, I thank God for all those that I've got to lead to the Lord. But it, I'm telling you, it doesn't get old seeing people get saved. It is, it is a wonderful thing, and I enjoy it. I go looking for it. I don't just wait for people to come to me. You've got all these people today, too, that they're like, no, we don't need to do the soul winning. You just need to do lifestyle evangelism. Okay? Now listen, I'm all for living a good life. We, we talked a little bit about that, being a good example. But you know what? I try that. I don't have people flocking to me just looking at my life and saying, please, tell me how to get saved. I've seen you, and it's made me want salvation. I mean, that, that just doesn't happen. If we just go simply off lifestyle evangelism, we're not, you're not going to win that many people to Christ. I've had some people that have asked me before, hey, you know, I noticed you don't do this. You know, I've noticed, you know, I've had co-workers, I noticed that you don't cuss. You know, I've had people that have came to me and observed the differences in me. 
but they've never said, you know what? I've always wanted to be the kind of person that doesn't cuss. I've always wanted to be the kind of person that, you know, know, nobody's ever done that. Nobody's ever just come and looked at my life and said, tell me how to be saved. You know what? You've got to go tell people. You've got to go and give them the gospel, which is good news, right? But understand, for you to give people good news, they've got to know the bad news too. And the bad news is that they're a sinner and they're on their way to hell. They deserve to go to hell. And... You know, how do you tell people that just by you being a good person? That doesn't, you know, you not cussing or drinking or whatever, that's not telling people you're, you're a sinner and you're going to hell. You've you got to verbally tell people that. Okay? And, you know, obviously there's, you know, there's ways to do it. You've got to use a little bit of tact when we go out knocking doors. You know, we don't just walk up and knock on people's doors and it's like, you realize you're on your way to hell right now. I saw those Catholic things in the front of your yard, so I know you're not saved. You know, we, we, don't, we don't do that. <laughs> Say, hey, I see the empty beer cans on your porch. I know you're on your way to help. We, we don't do it like that. That's not, that's not how you, you got to use a little bit of tact. I want to do it that way sometimes. You know, uh, I, I've thought about it sometimes before. You know, you've got to be polite. You know, we sh- I realize we show up at these people's houses uninvited. And so I, tr- I, you know, I try to be polite, and I usually am. I usually am. I've had some people that have pestered me before, but you know, you, you've got to do that. You've got to make the effort. You know, they're not just flocking to this church. Okay, you know, thank the Lord. You know, we got a visitor today that I don't know if anybody invited here. You just looked us up and found us. But man, thank the Lord for that. We have some of those, but you know what? It's not every week that people just show up here. All right, we're thrilled when it does, but most of the people that visit here, it's because somebody asked them. All right, and if we're not asking anybody, it's it's not going to happen that often. You know, it's just something that you we've got to do the we've got to do the work. We've got to go out there and make an effort to get them the gospel. And once again, if you're getting closer to God, you're going to bring forth more fruit than you did the year before. Okay, we're we're in year number six now here at the church. I think we need to see more people saved this year than we did the year before. You know, I think last year we definitely sowed probably more seed than we've sown. Any any other year in the past? I mean, we knocked on a lot of doors last year. We passed on a lot of tracks last year. Probably the most that we've done as a church, with the exception of the first year of the grand opening, but we had a ton of help for that outside the church. But just us as a church, I think last year was the most that we've done. And I think this year we ought to do even more. We saw a lot of people saved last year, even out knocking doors. We saw a lot of people saved. I we need to see more this year. I think we need to see more people baptized this year. Well, you know, why can't we just be content? with, you know, what we've had in the past or, you know, just at least doing the same thing. Well, we see in the Bible that God's not content with you just bearing fruit. He wants to purge you so you can bear even more fruit. That's the goal. We want to do as much as we possibly can. You know, my kids sometimes, they're like this with their schoolwork, you know. Hey, what do I have to do to pass? I hate that attitude. You know, what do I have to do to pass? What's the bare minimum that I have to do? You know, you tell them to clean your room. Well, you know, how clean? Just to where you can't see stuff, you know, just throw everything under the bed. I used to have a big closet in my in my bedroom, and I remember doing that a couple times, just loading the closet up. My room looked great as long as the closet door was shut. <laughs> but if you open it up, it was it was a different story. Sometimes we do things like that. We make things just clean on the surface, look good on the surface, just trying to figure out how can I do the bare minimum. You know, what do I have to do to just get into heaven? Okay? 
and you'll thank the Lord to just get into heaven. You don't have to do much. Just believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. But a lot of people, they're content right there. Hey, as long as I'm going into heaven, I'm fine. And it's like a lot of Christians too. Or a lot of people when they get saved, they you know, it, you, a lot of times, you know, salvation comes. Uh-oh. We got Oh, okay. <laughs> I was like, we got something, a mouse or something. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. But you know, a lot of times we have uh you know, we have we get I forgot where I was going with that. I lost my train of thought. <laughs> but uh but you know we do we get satisfied where we were before. We need to be trying we need to be trying to do better. We need to try to do more. You know, bear more fruit. And so we ought to be this year we ought to be more like Christ than we were the year before. Look what it says in first John chapter three. 1 John chapter 3 and verse 2, it says, Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself, even as he is pure. Alright, so right here we see that one uh, if we believe that we're going to be like Christ one day, when he returns... We're going to purify ourselves. We're going to try to become more like Him. It doth not yet appear what we shall be. Nobody in here today is matched up to Jesus Christ. And even if you do have the best year you've ever had this year, you still won't be matched up to Jesus Christ. But you should be more like Him this year than you were the year before. If you have that hope in Him, you're going to purify yourself. And look what it says in, in John chapter 15. You know, he, I forgot what verse it was, but he mentioned, you know, if you love me, keep my commandments. Okay, if you're abiding in Christ, you will keep His commandments. That's one of the ways that we become better. That's one of the ways we become pure. Uh, you know, we purify ourselves is by obeying His commandments, by doing the things that Jesus did. And I don't know if you've noticed, but Jesus, he was pretty into soul winning. He was pretty into winning people to Christ. A lot, sadly, a lot of churches today, they are turning into more of these, more like charitable organizations. That's all about feeding people, clothing people, sheltering people. And you know what? Every bit of that's good. I've got no problems with any of that. But do you understand? Jesus, he did some of the feeding, he did the healing, the miracles, and all that stuff. But we see that Jesus was not impressed by any of those things. What Jesus wanted to do was save people. Jesus, when he fed the five thousand, he was he physically fed them. But he was trying to teach them a spiritual lesson, and they didn't learn it. And the next day when they showed up again because they were hungry again, Jesus didn't give them any bread that time. What did he do? He tried to teach them the spiritual message again, and you know what the people did? They left. They walked away from him. And because they wanted the physical things, and a lot of churches today, they're nothing more than you know giveaway centers. You know, hey, come and we'll give you this. We'll do, you know, we'll do this for you. And they're doing nothing for people spiritually, only physically. And that is not why we're here. That is not what it's all about. And as a Christian, if we're abiding in Christ, we're getting closer to Christ, we're going to keep His commandments. We're going to do the things that He did. And every year, we ought to be getting better about that. We ought to be better Christians. If you're not, if you are even slightly worse of a Christian this year than you were last year, it means you're backslidden. Okay? What does it mean to backslide? It means slide back. Going the wrong, you're going the wrong direction. 
You're supposed to be purifying yourself. That would be the opposite of being backslidden, becoming more like Christ. But sadly, many people are going the other way. We're seeing churches going more and more liberal, getting more and more like the world instead of becoming more and more like Christ. And you understand that as the world gets more wicked, do you realize Jesus Christ is not going to change? He is going to stay the same. Right and wrong does not change with the times. Therefore, if we are going to stay close to Christ, in fact, if we are going to get closer to Christ, you realize that's going to make us look even more weird? We've always been strange to the world. But as the world gets more wicked, we're going to become more and more strange. And it's amazing the things that I remember everybody preached 10, 15, 20 years ago, but now a lot of even Baptists are scared to preach these things. They're looked at as like a bunch of kooks if they preach those things. Why? Because... Most churches are just kind of following the world. They're better than the world, but they're farther from Christ. And that's the opposite of what's supposed to be happening. We're supposed to be getting closer to Christ. If you're not, you're backsliding. And so then, finally we see too, if you're abiding in Christ, first we see you're going to bear fruit, you're going to be purged, and then you're going to bear even more fruit. You're going to keep His commandments. And then He gives them a commandment. He said to love one another. You're going to love one another. Now, why did he throw that in there? You know, what, how does that help bring souls to Christ? You know, just loving one another. And he's talking about our brothers and sisters here in Christ, I believe. He's talking about other disciples. But when you, when your focus is on bringing forth fruit to the glory of God, you're going to be cheering everybody on to do the same thing, aren't you? Think about that. You know, a lot of people they're all about making a name for themselves. They're all about making themselves look good. Okay, and so. A lot of times they see everybody else's competition. But listen, if you are about glorifying God, you just want to see people saved. And whether you're the one that leads them in the prayer or not, you know, it doesn't matter as long as they get saved. Okay, you know, and sometimes it's a team thing. You know, maybe you get them to church, and maybe I'm the one that, that gets them saved. Or you know, maybe maybe I'm the one that does a lot of the preaching, but you're the one that ends up leading them in the sinner's prayer. It's a team effort. You know what? I really don't care as long as they get saved. I don't care if I'm the one that leads them in the sinner's prayer. I don't care if I'm the one that preached or if it was a guest speaker or somebody here that speaks and they get saved. I don't care as long as people are getting saved. That's the most important thing. Seeing people get saved. And if if that's our goal, we're going to be cheering everybody on doing the same thing. If I, if you, you're my brother and sister in Christ and you're abiding in Christ, you're bringing people to Christ, man, I'm for you. I'm going to be cheering you on. I'm going to encourage you. Hey, that's one more saved person. That's one less lost person that's out in the world. I mean, we're going to be, you know, we're not going to see others as competitions. We're going to see them as co-laborers. Okay? I'm going to see you as somebody, you know, that's maybe doing some of my work for me. Okay? I mean, right, when it comes to seeing people saved, we can't have this attitude that's somebody else's job. No. It's my job. It's my, you know God didn't just call us to win rock falls. We've actually been called to win the world to Christ, to get the gospel to the whole world. Well, I don't have the ability to get to the whole world. So you know what? You know I'm gonna I'm gonna work here. I'm gonna do what I can here. But you know what? I'm also gonna be supportive and I'm gonna cheer on people like our missionaries that we have that are winning people in other parts of the world. 
I want to be a help to them financially, to help them get over there. I want to be an, I want to be an encouragement. You know, I want to be an encouragement to all of you because it's my responsibility to see everybody in this world saved. And you know what? I don't know everybody. There's people that you know better than me that you know you've got that are more likely to listen to you than me. And everybody that you win to Christ, that's one less person I have to win. It's kind of like when I where I work at Walmart. You know, I, I'm an order filling, and we've got to pick a lot of cases. One of the things we do. And we always have that number at the beginning of the day, how many thousands of cases that we have to get. And you know what? When I look around in the room in the morning and I, I see all the order fillers that are in there, I don't see them as competition. I see them as, you know what? For everyone that's in here, that's less that I have to do. You know, and we do. And it is. It's kind of a team thing. And sometimes you see some of them, you know, maybe they, they're not feeling good and they go home and you're just like, you don't like to see that. You don't want to see them go away. That's more work than I'm going to have to do now. You know, you, and so you do. You try to encourage people because you realize, hey, we're all working towards the same thing. We're all trying to get to that last case. And, you know, we're trying to get to that last soul that needs to be saved. And so, you know what? Y'all are on my team. And guess what? I love you. You're saving me some work. You're saving me some effort. I want to encourage you. I want to help you. I want us to work together in bringing people to Christ. Because when it, when it comes to numbers, the numbers do matter. The numbers really, they really do matter. You know, what are you doing to increase the number of souls going to heaven? Oh, you know, numbers don't matter. You know, God's not looking for a big variety. He's looking for a pure variety. I've heard people say that before, too. You know, you know what, what groom wants a big bride? You know, he wants, you know, he wants one that's pure. No, well, God wants, he wants big numbers. And we see that it's important. In Matthew 16, 26, For what is a man profit if he gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? If we see that one soul is worth more than the value of all the world, well, then that means two souls is twice as valuable as all that, right? I mean, that's just simple math, isn't it? We see in John chapter 15, he talked about, you know, the branch is bearing fruit. I'm going to purge it so it can bear more fruit. Why? The bigger numbers, the more the better. In Acts chapter 2, verse 41 after Pentecost, it says, They that gladly received His word and were baptized, and the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. Now what are they doing counting? You know why they counted? Because they were excited. 3,000 people got saved. And you know what? 3,000 people getting saved is better than 2,000. 3,000 people getting saved is better than 2,999 people getting saved. Why? Because every soul is precious. Every soul is important in Acts 2, 47. It mentions praising God and having favor with all the disciples. The Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. And then in Acts chapter 4, verse 4, And many of them which heard the word believed, and the number of the men was about 5,000. Why are they keeping track of these numbers here? Because it was important. It was, it was great. It was, it was wonderful. If we have you know 100 people saved this year, okay, that's great. But you know what? 101 is even better. 101. You know, just when are you going to be content? Until everybody's saved. Until everybody gets it. That needs to be our goal. And if we're going to have a fruitful new year, we've got to be abiding in Christ. You're going to have to get close to Christ. You're going to have to be, we've got to have the help of the Holy Spirit. And I do. I want that to be a goal for 2017. We've got some goals and some plans that we're planning on doing, you know, with fixing the building up and things like that. We've got some projects we're wanting to do around here. Those are fine. Those are wonderful. I hope we accomplish those things. But you know what? 
we don't if we're not winning people to Christ, who cares? You know, we we have the biggest year in offerings we've ever had. In fact, you know what? I'll bring the substances after the offering, but we had last year was our biggest year in offerings that we've had today. You know, okay, great. But you know, I, I, I'm, I'm glad that's a blessing. But you know what? It's not as important as souls being saved. If this year we double that financially and we see less people saved, we didn't have a successful year. We didn't have a fruitful year. And that needs to be our goal. That needs to be our focus. What are you doing to help bring people to Christ? What can you do to help see more people get saved this year? We've all got different gifts. We've all got different abilities. But how are you using your abilities, your God-given gifts that you have to help bring people to Christ? Bearing fruit, it needs to be it needs to be a yearly thing. Something that happens every year. Don't just live on the glory days of somebody you won in the past. Get somebody for 2017. And get as and get as many as you can. If you get one, you get it early. Don't be content with that. It's like, alright, I got I got one for the year. No, I go for two. Let God purge you so you can bear more fruit. And don't ever get satisfied until there's no lost people left. And then you can say, all right, we're done. All right, then after no lost people left, everyone's saved. But until then, keep on plugging away. So with that, let's all stand together. Having a fruitful...